Our scripture reading comes from Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, through chapter 2, verse 10. Listen for the word of God. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them in the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every boy that is born to the Hebrews, you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket amongst the reeds and sent her maid to retrieve it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and she took him as her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. This is not a very happy story overall. How did we get here, just so that you kind of understand the backdrop, because everything happens against a backdrop. Joseph was the one that had the ability to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Joseph was a son of Jacob, of Israel. And because of that, the people of the land were spared. There were seven years of tremendous famine, and then there were seven years, of, excuse me, Seven years, never underestimate the value of a good night's sleep. Seven, seven, I'm going to start over. Seven years of plenty 
followed by seven years of famine. But how did the Egyptian people feel during this time? Because during the first year of the famine, the Egyptian people paid for the grain that they received to keep them alive. But then what happened after the money ran out? Scripture tells us that after that, Joseph had them sell all of their things and all of their cattle. And afterwards, the Hebrew, the Hebrew people, excuse me, the Egyptian people were forced into slavery themselves. And Joseph was the one that said, you will work for Pharaoh as slaves. So that's the backdrop. So you have to imagine the Egyptians had 70 Hebrews come into Goshen, the best part of the land, and they weren't slaves. There came a time when people didn't remember what Joseph did to save the people. All they saw was a nation that had started as 70 that grew into a tremendous nation, and they responded with fear and said, kill all of the little boys, so to the midwives. When a Hebrew child is born, you have to kill it. But the midwives feared God, so they didn't do that. And Pharaoh says, why didn't you do as I asked? Well, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. Egyptian women, they labor forever. But Hebrew women are stout. And so they just pop those babies out before the midwives can even show up. Pharaoh says, huh. Okay. Well, in that case, throw them in the river. All the Hebrew boys that are born, throw them into the Nile. What do you do as a mom? What do you do as a mother? What do you do as a people? What do you do as a people? And why are you still there in Egypt? Why are you still in Egypt? What would have happened if Pharaoh had not enslaved the Hebrew people? What would have happened if things had gone along nicely and the Hebrews had just been allowed to live in Egypt, would we have Judaism at all? Would we have a Torah? Would we have what we have? Why were they still there? There is a wonderful story about a person. He says, a lot of life is like being covered by a beautiful shawl. And every once in a while, you get that little cat and it catches the corner of the shawl. And pretty soon, by the time you walk away, it's frayed and frayed and frayed and frayed and frayed, and you realize you've been covered by this beautiful shawl, and you are standing in the middle of the air, and you don't even know why you're there. I think that happened to us at 9-11. I think it happened to the Catholic Church during that terrible sex scandal. I think it happens around the world when all of a sudden we simply wake up and realize we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what was going on. 
The Hebrew people are not supposed to be in Egypt. They're supposed to be in the promised land. And God waits a long time for the cries to become bitter before sending Moses. How do we deal with that? Um, Reynolds Price, you ever um, read As Our Whole Lives, As a Whole Life or something like that by Reynolds Price? He talks about um, getting cancer in his spine, and he was a man of letters. He was a great writer. And he says at the end of his journey, he wished he eventually became paralyzed from the waist down. And he said he eventually wished that instead of everyone that tried to help him, they just said, Reynolds Price, you're dead. Now, who are you going to be? Live into the person you can be. Sometimes we spend all of our life trying to hold on to something that has us with our feet three feet in the air. Like the Hebrew people. Moses' mother has to put him in a basket and places him in the river. And Pharaoh's daughter finds him and draws him out. How many of you in your life have been thrown in the river, so to speak? Anybody here? Anybody here been tossed in the river? And you didn't have anything that you could do about it. You're like a little baby. And maybe they put you in that basket with pitch so that you'd live as long as you could live. But there's no guarantees. Sometimes you're just unceremoniously tossed in the river. And you don't care what happens to you. But you know what? Sometimes we're drawn out of that river by another. One of the great stories of the New Testament is the story of the Good Samaritan. And one of the lessons in that is the, Samar the Jew is helped by the Samaritan, probably somebody he didn't want to be helped by. Reminds me of the story in the, in the service about a man who's dying, and the only way he can live is if he gets blood from an African-American. He says, I would rather die than have that blood flowing through my veins. And the surgeon, of course, gives him the blood and saves his life. And then he has to deal with the fact that his life has been saved by somebody who he's grown up his whole life to hate. Sometimes God intervenes and we receive help not only when we least expect it, but in a way that we can't refuse it when it comes. Sometimes we're helped against our will, against our wishes, against our desires. Sometimes grace happens that way. Moses gets drawn out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter and and a friend of the mom just is she's going along and she says, you know, um, I know a Hebrew that can be a midwife for, for that for that child. So Moses goes back to his own mother to be nursed, and his own mother gets paid, which is a good part. Yeah. <laughs> she gets paid to raise her own kid. 
I want to sign up for that duty. But eventually she has to give him back to Pharaoh's daughter. And that's how the Hebrew people eventually leave Egypt, because of an act of kindness, an act of giving, an act of being drawn from the waters. I want you to think about your life and think about the times you have been drawn from the waters by another. When you had no reason to think that help would come from that quarter. What did that mean to you? Is there a way that right now somebody is offering to help draw you from the water and you're resisting? How's that working for you? When Lindbergh's baby was um, kidnapped and then killed, the mom eventually wrote a book, and uh, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's, it's something lead and something gold. And she writes that this is not just a Puritan value, that suffering leads to wisdom, because if that were the case, then the whole world would be wise, because the whole world suffers. But in the midst of your suffering, if there can be genuine mourning and genuine love and genuine reflection and ultimately a decision not to close yourself off and to remain vulnerable to life and love, then true healing can occur in something marvelous will result. She turned, as an alchemist, lead into gold. Most parents end up getting divorced after the loss of a child. It just tears them apart. How do we deal with our pain? And when the veil gets pulled away and we realize we're in Egypt and not in the promised land. We don't like that veil to be torn away. We never do. But sometimes that's the only way for healing to come about. I'm not saying Pharaoh was a good guy. Don't get me wrong, he wasn't. But without Pharaoh, who knows where the story would end. The other story is, when they get pursued by the Egyptians to the Red Sea, there's a lovely Jewish midrash where it wasn't until Moses puts his toe in the water, he's got the devil behind him in the blue waters in front of him, but it wasn't until Moses put his toe in the water that they parted. According to the Midrash from the rabbis, if Moses had stayed praying on the banks, nothing would have happened. Nothing would have happened. We are asked to do a lot. 
We love it when God parts the waters, but the story tells us, or at least the Midrash tells us, you got to get in it first. Be open to healing in your life. Be open to being drawn from those waters that could destroy you. But sometimes we have to put our toe in first. Those are hard lessons, but they lead to faithfulness. Amen.